everyone. Welcome again to the Family Life Canada podcast. I'm Cheryl Josephson. Family Life Canada, as you probably know, exists to bring practical help and hope to marriages and families. And sometimes that means we bring in experts, we bring in authors and teachers and marriage and family psychologists and therapists. Sometimes we bring in just regular folk because we think that the best wisdom sometimes comes from people who are just trying to do life like we are trying to do life. Today, our guest brings a little bit of both. She, uh, Allison Alley is the president and chief executive officer of Compassion Canada. She's an expert leader with an organization we really admire and are in partnership with, but she's also a wife and a mom and just a lovely human being and a Christ follower. Hi, Allison. Hi, Cheryl. It's great to be with you today. I'm looking forward to the conversation. Me too, because you wear a lot of hats and I'm dying to find out how you manage all of that. And what you've learned that would be um, helpful to other people. But tell us a little bit about yourself. Let's just give us a little bit of context. Yeah, sure thing. So uh, I'm married to my husband, Tommy. We've been married for close to 18 years. Uh, We have two daughters. Uh, Ireland is 11 and Scarlett is 8. And uh, like many people, we are navigating work and life and school and all of that uh, in our home here in London, Ontario. So we relocated to London a couple years ago now when I um, I moved into the president electoral at Compassion, Uh, but I was born and raised in Niagara. Okay, so you didn't have to go too far down the road. Not too far. Now, I'd love to find out a little bit about what went into your decision to take on that leadership role in Compassion Canada, because you were in the corporate world. um, That was sort of the track you were on and, and something shifted. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, so part of my story is that I went to Youth with a Mission as a young adult. It was there that, uh, A, I encountered God in new ways. I also encountered a man that became my husband. And uh, there was a lot that happened in that uh, season of my life. And particularly, I did an outreach in Chiang Mai, Thailand. And it was there that um, I really encountered this thing called poverty and injustice, particularly as it impacts children. And God planted a seed in my heart um, to be a part of his mission and to prioritize kids and the vulnerable uh, in a way that was already planted in this man's heart as well that would end up being uh, my husband. And that ended up sitting on the back burner for a while for a variety of reasons. You know, life sets in, we got married, you know, had you know some schooling things to pay off. And before I knew it, we had been married, you know, about 10 years had passed from that moment. When the short version of this story, Cheryl, is that God really used my own kids and the birth of them to um, remind me just how privileged we are. And for me to see afresh how they were afforded opportunities um, to survive, to thrive, uh, to have access to an education and more than they would ever uh, want or need merely because of the household and the country that they were born in. And so that kind of led me back to that initial seed that God had planted that he began to uh, flourish in different ways. It's funny how God uses this, the circumstances of our life, but especially how he uses our children to kind of open our, open up our perspective, broaden our perspective. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, for us, as we walked on that path, and I say us, because it was very much 
you know, my husband and I at the time recognized, okay, you know, we had built a pretty, we would call it a secure boat for our family where, Mm -hmm. you know, we were uh, providing for ourselves. I was in the finance industry, so I planned and provided for a living in a way that really limited our need for the depth of faith and trust and um, dependence on God for his provision. And so in this season, we felt like God was calling us out of our boat into the unknown, into a a deeper state of of trust. Uh, And one of the steps that he asked us to take really practically was um, to sponsor one child. And so we did that through an organization called Compassion Canada. And uh, long before I thought I would ever work there, we really wanted to involve our kids in that. So to your point, Cheryl, we then got to see our kids learning about the world through our sponsored child at the time named Jimmy. Mm. And we learned a lot through that experience from them. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think a lot of parents are trying to figure out how to pass on their own kind of heart for compassion, heart uh, for justice, uh, particularly in the world now. We're trying to figure out ways to um, grow those values in our children. How yeah. are you and Tommy? I, I have so many things to ask you about, but while we're on this topic, how, how are you and Tommy building that into your girls? Are yeah. you doing some specific things? Yeah, some of the things that we talk about and the different kind of buckets that we try and put this in is is learning and praying and giving and living. And that's not to say, you know, my caveat should be, I really don't know, Cheryl. I'm trying to figure it out. <laughs> We're all trying to figure it out, yes. <laughs> but our, we really, um, you know, we want to keep learning with them. So, you know, we read things and we watch things and we do different experiences. Um, and by the way, one of those experiences, Compassion created called Step Into My Shoes, which is just a cool opportunity for kids to step into the life of someone who's so different than them and, and yeah. see how their everyday life plays out, right? So learning together. But praying- Such a great resource, by the way. That's a great oh, resource. You. And we have a link to it on our website, just for those of you that are looking for it. It's awesome. Oh, thanks, Cheryl. Yeah, and the praying, I mean, I think there's something really powerful about, you know, at the table praying and just the recognition of our daily bread and, you know, those who who absolutely every day go without, especially in this season. But the on the spot praying, you know, as you drive, Mm. as you see things, as you watch the news, I think that's, you know, a great way to learn and consider and and give our our questions and our concerns to God. you know, and the giving, the giving would be, of course, you know, instilling tithing and giving to your local church. But I think for kids, it's the, you know, what are the uh, sacrificial or their spontaneous giving opportunities, right? So as you see a need, yeah. uh, you know, respond to it. And, um, you know, the sacrificial being birthdays or Christmas, how can you go without to give something to someone else? And, you know, wow. living is all about who you invite in and um, how you serve together, those types of things. So I think it's so faceted. Learning, praying, living, giving. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great formula. Uh, the prayer piece is it has been particularly uh, a piece of my life in the last few months. Um, little aside, we we may not, we may edit this part out, but I'm going to share it with you anyway. It's yeah, on my mind do. to share. So um uh, but right before the COVID crisis hit, I went to uh, kind of a crazy seminar from people who do f- speak prophetic words. And it's not particularly my faith tradition. And so I was a little out of my comfort zone, but I really heard God 
asking me to go. And I heard him asking me to go up and at the end of this thing to this one very specific pastor. And sure enough, he had a prophetic word for me. And he says, it's this verse in Isaiah and he read it out loud. And it was all about uh, somebody mourning and crying. And I'm like, this is not a good prophetic word. (laughs) I thought it was supposed to be something inspiring and encouraging. And this is all about this woman. It was women and mothers who were mourning and crying. A week later, COVID hits. And honestly, my, my mother's heart has just been broken by, um, seeing so many families go so go through so much trauma and so much fear and particularly thinking about people in vulnerable places and vulnerable countries and honestly it was a terrible prophetic word but it was a very true prophetic word and i've just felt like the most we can do and the best we can do and one of the things we can do is pray Um, but i love that compassion canada is doing doing some practical things as well you have Feet on the ground, you have people in these countries who are actually able to deliver the help to the families in need. Yeah. First of all, that is such a good word that pray prayer is the work. Yeah. Um, and also, as you said, you know, that mother's heart piece rings so true to me. And just, you know, recognizing for me that I wanted my kids to 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 thrive and to have access to choice and all these things, whereas other moms are just wanting their kids to survive and and make it through another day. And to try and reconcile that, it's really hard to do, actually. And I feel like I live in this space in between, right, between extreme poverty and extreme opulence. And I'm constantly having to go in between them in my mind or literally. And that prayer piece to just say, God, we need you. And we're at a loss for words. And we don't even know what to say or how to respond, but will you show up and use us? Um, yeah. So that's a good word. The prayer I went to most often was Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Please yeah. have mercy on us. Have mercy on our planet. I uh, repeatedly prayed that over and over again. I really want to talk a little bit about um, how you manage all of your roles. So let's talk about leadership. We'll, we'll, we'll parse them out into pieces and then we'll pull, pull it all together as a whole. <laughs> so let's sure. talk about leadership first. So, <laughs> What's your philosophy? What's your framework for leadership? I think I've heard that you have, you kind of talk about three roles in one. You talk about being an executive. You talk about being a pastor. You talk about being a practitioner. Can you kind of unpack that for us? Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting when you say, what is your philosophy of leadership? The way that I would um, articulate at least what I'm learning and how God's been speaking to me is the importance of leading out of your being instead of leading out of your doing. Right? And, and the being is the depth of who you are in Christ, the depth of um, who you are as a Christ follower and, and your whole self. So your role also as a parent, as a wife, as a friend, I think you bring all of that into your leadership. Um, now to answer your question you know, more outright, yeah, when I started at Compassion as far as the hats of leadership, and I felt like God was calling me into a season of, of formal equipping in new ways. I never imagined being asked to lead the organization, but I knew that I loved this ministry and wanted to stay there and grow in effectiveness. And as I observed and watched and considered, I thought, you know, there are three key aspects of leading well in this organization. You know, one is to be a shepherd. 
someone who really can love and serve the staff and walk alongside them, invest them, draw them to Jesus. Um, you know, number two would be an executive. I mean, it um, has been made even more evident to me, you know, the, the requirements of cross enterprise leadership and not dissimilar to a for-profit organization, you're leading technology and marketing and sales and finance. And so that's a different kind of uh, hat and skill set. And the third would be practitioner. And it's the recognition that we exist to end poverty in the lives of kids and their families. And so to understand international development and holistic child development that we do in the field is the other kind of hat. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I work to grow and learn in those areas. I still am. Um, but I think it's kind of navigating those different aspects throughout the day. Good for you. And what's been the most challenging thing you've faced in terms of leadership? Yeah, well, you know, it, interestingly enough, before even COVID-19, we would have articulated that we have been going through some pretty significant change and transition unrelated to CEO transition. Uh, but certainly when you overlay that with COVID-19, just navigating um, the unknowns and the uncertainty like so many other people. Um, but I think for for me specifically, you know, to be a leader is to be solving new and increasingly complex problems all the time. And really, if you're not solving something new or growing in complexity, you're probably not growing as a leader or as an organization. And so really that means your work is never really done. And um, for some people that can be really challenging. I'm an Enneagram three. Have you done Enneagram, yeah. Cheryl? Yes, I'm a three as well. Come on, I knew there was <laughs> no. a reason. I enjoyed talking to you. <laughs> and I'm not happy about being a three, but I am a three. <laughs> Cheryl, I actually feel like any of my friends who are listening will be laughing right now because it took me years to accept it because I feel like it's the worst number. Um, <laughs> felt very exposed. Um, I'm a three with a two wing, which for your listeners means uh, number three is the achiever. We like to get things done to move things forward. The two is the helper. So I joke that it's my redeeming quality that I like to achieve for the sake of others, which is is very true, but but the the challenge to your point is that um, the sooner that you can accept as a leader that your work is never done, that it is all about forward progress and continuous improvement, that the more joy filled you can be in the journey and you can go along for the ride. So mm. uh, that's an ongoing challenge and something that I'm I'm growing in. No kidding. I think uh, I used to be in in television news and for almost 25 years. And it was, it, it was a great job for me as a three because I didn't really have that language back then, but it yeah. ended. I walked off the news set at seven o'clock at night and my work was done and I could not even think about work. I could not plan ahead. I could not, because the news hadn't happened yet. So right. I literally could walk off and completely forget about work until the next day. And whereas okay. I think in a lot of what you do and a lot of what we do now in Family Life Canada is there's always things, there's more to do. There's always more to be done. And I think to, to try to uh, feel like you've done enough at some point is always a challenge. Yeah. And I think it's a challenge for anyone in ministry in particular, yeah. right? Because God's work is never done. We are living on the not yet of the kingdom. Yeah. And I think that's what causes so many leaders to lose their beingness and to lose their way uh, in the heartfelt desire to join God. They actually end up compromising what he's looking for them to do in the process, right? Good words. 
Good word. So let's let's talk a little bit about you seem very integrated, very whole, at least in your in your approach to life. How how does that actually work out? Uh, let's talk about being married. Let's talk about being a mom. Let's talk about being a leader. How does that all fit together for you? Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things that I often say is that I would never be able to live out my uh, calling without my husband living out his. And in ways that we didn't know at the time, because we are so opposite and so different in in, in many ways, he might say in every way, uh, except the essentials. That was, you know, challenging at first as young newlyweds, but now we see how God just perfectly brought us together so we can compliment one another, compensate for one another's weaknesses, support each other uniquely. And so my husband is just a very good friend, companion, cheerleader. uh, And I hope that, you know, I would be the same for him. Um, I'm a pretty disciplined person. Um, I think you probably have to be, um, you know, if you're you're taking on leadership roles like this, Um, you know, and so that has supported our family, probably driven my husband nuts in other ways. But I remember when I was in seminary, uh, maybe five years ago now, uh, we were encouraged to draft what was called a personal rule of life. Hmm. And it was just this recognition that we need to um, continue to nurture and grow the relationships and the rhythms that God has ordained in our lives. And that uh, that doesn't happen by accident. And so it's something that I created then and I continue to massage and um, adjust as we go forward. But to give you an example um, the framework that I've used all these years is uh, actually from a pastor. I, if I say that, Ken Shigematsu, I think from 10th mm-hmm. Avenue Church. Oh, I hope yes, I got yes. that right. Yeah, good. So he wrote a book called God in My Everything. And uh-huh. his framework was Roots, Relate, Restore, and Reach Out. And so the the ability to choose in advance, what are the rhythms and the relationships um, related to growing in God, um, uh, refreshing your soul and your mind and your body, prioritizing the main relationships in your life, but also being used by God to impact those around you. And so I've created you know, different disciplines and behaviors related to that. Mm-hmm. Can you give us a couple more specifics of the yeah. rhythms and behaviors that you've built yeah, in your so, life? Mm-hmm. I get up very early. Um, my alarm goes off at 4.30. Um, and by, I snooze twice, but by 4.45, you know, I'm out of bed. And I have a quiet time in the morning. Specifically, about four years ago, I started practicing silence and solitude. Mm-hmm. Uh, what that means for me, and back to Achiever Enneagram 3, my internal dialogue is really loud. I have lots of plans and thoughts and ideas. And the ability to quiet those out and to say, God, you know, your will, not mine. Your words, not mine. Breathe your spirit in me. Don't allow me to think I can do this by myself uh, has been one of the most significant spiritual disciplines I've ever had. Um, You know, I I read scripture, go through devotions. I work out, um, you know, at least 30 minutes, multiple times a week. Um, I have really specific Uh, disciplines around my phone, like notifications are off. I don't have push notifications. I don't have sound. Um, All of that helps me be really present in whatever it is that uh, I'm working on at that time. And then, of course, the family things, you know, meals together at nighttime, how to really guard and protect our weekends, guard the Sabbath, um, those types of things. Wow. That's, uh, That's impressive, Allison. It really is. And, and it, it's hard fought to have that kind of holistic approach. And it's hard fought um, to put those disciplines in your life. But we can see the fruit of that in your life. 
Well, and you know, allow me though, just to ensure that I say, um, <laughs> it's an ongoing battle. I mean, one of the things I said to some of our leaders recently was, you know, the external pressures to compromise on these rhythms and to give in areas to me has never been stronger. And I'm not at all doing it uh, perfectly. I mess up all over the place. Are you referring to the, the COVID season that, that it... COVID in particular. Yeah. 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 I would agree. I think, I think several of us who've had good lives of discipline have sort of eased up during this COVID. Well, you know, I'm going to cut myself some slack yeah. <laughs> and we've eased yeah. up on those disciplines, which I think has not been helpful to us. Right. That's right. But that's where I think, you know, choosing in advance, being proactive, having accountability, you know, because my husband and I walk so closely together, he can tell uh, and also see and he's able to say, hey, like, how's this area going? Um, and so that helps. It's no, by no way perfect, but it works for us and we're trying. So let's talk about you and Tommy for a moment. Uh, one of the things that Neil and I have bumped into over the years is um, the trying to figure out how to each of us live in, into our giftings, our God-given gifts and our God-given callings. At the same time, honor the other person's giftedness and callings. And then together, honor the callings on our life as parents and now as grandparents. Uh, how to balance that off? Have, have you? Has there been any sense of um, competing callings at any point or where they've kind of rubbed up against each other? And if so, how have you worked that out? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't say that we've experienced competing callings, um, but certainly how I would feel, you know, over the last six years or so, that's when I was doing uh, graduate studies, transitioning in the organization, our family relocated in light of my role. I have felt like I was more on the um, receiving side, um, you know, of a lot of the loving and serving one another than always the giving side. And so it did feel a little bit more one-sided in some ways. I, I certainly would feel that. Um, but I think that's where you recognize there are some seasonalities. Yes. And as it relates to our callings, uh, you know, again, my husband is so passionate about um, missions, evangelism, development. Uh, he's the one that actually traveled with Compassion's ministry first before we worked here. Uh, he's the one that said to me, I think God is calling us to be advocates for kids and the poor, but specifically to be involved in Compassion's ministry. Wow. And so we got involved, yeah, as a couple first in volunteering. And actually, I'll tell you a little uh, anecdote that not many people uh, know, but in our journey to compassion, as we were on this path of saying, God, what are you calling us to next as a family? I wondered if maybe God was calling me to take um, a back seat for a while. I'd been leading in the marketplace and, you know, part of my reawakening after having kids was recognizing that actually um, I did end up getting focused on moving up and to the right and the isms like consumerism, materialism, individual, it played out in my life. Mm. And I wondered if God was calling me to really take a back seat and to not really lead in the same way that I had before, but maybe it was time for my husband to do things for me to stay home. And um, long story short, as we got to know the folks at Compassion, they felt like God was calling us, or at least a part of us, to join the organization to launch something new, which was all about mobilizing the church in Canada to ask the similar questions we were asking, which is like, what about the rest of them? What about the rest of the kids around the world? 
And through that process, they basically said to us, you know, uh, we really have enjoyed getting to know you both. You're both very, very different with shared heart and passion, but very different. And we've decided we do want to hire one of you, but not both of you. So who should we hire? <laughs> and uh, it was just a, a really unique experience as a couple. And um, I kind of looked to Tommy. We were sitting in the CEO office at the time, Barry Salon White's office. Mm -hmm. And and um, I looked at Tommy as if to say, kind of, you go first. Like, you love this ministry. You've traveled to the, this, the field to see their work. I haven't. Um, like, I defer to you on this. And um, he said, you know, if you're looking for a creative, a storyteller, someone with even more international missions experience, you probably want to hire me. But if you're looking for a leader, an administrator, a communicator, someone that can really rally people to move from here to there, you probably want to hire my wife. And um, whether or not they made a mistake, I'm not sure, but they <laughs> went with me. They did uh, not. And that <laughs> and that was a real marker for our family because, A, it, it just showed from the onset his support, and we've been walking this path together. Yeah. Well, from a marriage perspective, it also shows how well you know each other and, and how well you've kind of articulated your differences. I, I think that's that's one of the strengths of marriage when you can start to do that. Yeah, good point. And not feel badly about that. I don't need to be good at this. My, my partner's good at this, and I can really honor that and get behind that. No, I... Great marriage principle there at play. Um, well, let's talk specifically about Compassion Canada for a few minutes as we wrap yeah. this up. I want I want to talk a little bit about your COVID response. Um, you, your organization, like every organization on the planet, has had to consider what our responsibility is, what our opportunity is in this, how we can be part of the solution. And um, I think that the, the it's been fun to watch. And, and as you know, we've partnered with Family Life Canada and Compassion Canada have partnered together on a few projects. But one of the reasons we've done that is because uh, we don't have the capacity right now. We don't have the infrastructure to actually tangibly do something. Like most organizations, you've been deeply affected by COVID-19. Talk a little bit about how your organization has responded to this global crisis. Yeah, you know, I think what's unique about COVID-19, of course, is that everyone is impacted. We feel it here in Canada with our families and our churches. And yet the reality of this pandemic and the daily longstanding reality of those who are living in extreme poverty means a crisis for the world's poor, unlike anything we have seen in generations. You know, mm -hmm. for them, it means that Supplies that have already been scarce are scarcer than ever. Uh, social distancing is nearly impossible. Um, basic hygiene is seen as unrealistic luxuries. Um, you know, majority of the families that we serve are day laborers, which means what they earn every day by selling things in the market goes to feed their kids. And so for them, their very survival is on the line. Um, you know, for us as well, I know you didn't ask this, but, you know, it's worth noting that we're already talking about the cascade and the rippling effects of this pandemic. So beyond what I just said, mm -hmm. you know, we're anticipating um, a, a, a hunger crisis. We're anticipating yes. an increase in, in measles and in malaria and an increase in global poverty for the first time in decades. Mm -hmm. um, and yet... 
What Compassion is leaning on uh, to combat COVID-19 has longstanding been our greatest asset, and that is uh, the presence and the love and the protection of our local church partners. Uh, These partners know the names and the faces and the needs of the kids and families in their communities. And so they are going out and meeting the most critical needs every single day. And specifically, they're working on uh, health and stability through things like hygiene, medical needs, food, and housing stability. I think that's one of the things I've loved about your re- We Rise as One campaign has been just the, the sense that as we give to Compassion Canada, as we give to that particular cause, that particular campaign, it's empowering people in other countries, Christ followers in other countries to actively uh, show love and actually bring practical help, provide the, the needs on the ground. It feels like boots on the ground because I think when we look at what's going on, it breaks our heart. I've never felt more helpless than ever. Uh, and I think a lot of people feel the same way. And so I, it's felt very um, empowering to be able to do something through the network that you've established over the years, this trust you've built up with partners around the world. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, we've been working for over 60 years. We have 8,000 church partners in 25 countries, and they are the hands and feet of Jesus to their neighbors right now. And it's a joy to be a part of that. Hmm. So how can people like us um, get involved? How can we how can we partner with you in this cause? Yeah, well, as you said, we have launched our first ever global fundraising campaign called We Rise As One. And it is acknowledging that the world needs the church more than ever, and a global crisis calls for a global response. So we are inviting you and I, as part of the global church, to rise together, to lift our voices, to respond practically on behalf of the world's most vulnerable kids and families. So um, people can go to compassion.ca slash COVID, and you can see the various ways that you can give to meet the urgent and critical needs. And Every dollar counts. So for $25, for example, you can supply an entire family with a food kit of rice and eggs and meat and milk. And so uh, you can find out more ways to get involved there. Mm. And and like you say, everything counts, every little bit. You don't have to give us a huge donation because, again, a lot of our Canadian families are in... um, in financial yeah. stress, under financial stress in this moment too. But but every little bit counts. We can all afford to give a little bit. Sure does. Our two organizations have been friends for a while. We partnered together on the one conference. Most recently, we've partnered to host a digital marriage conference and a webinar series. And thank you for that. Thank you for that yeah. partnership. I'm curious to know from your perspective, um, why has this partnership made sense to you? Yeah. Well, first of all, Cheryl, it is a joy to partner with you. And and you and I had the opportunity to meet at the One Conference Mm -hmm. uh, quite a few years ago. And, you know, Compassion is a child-centered, family-focused organization, as is family life. And so it makes um, a, a lot of natural sense for us to partner together. You know, like you, uh, we're about equipping families to live well and to thrive. We just happen to primarily do that in the context of extreme poverty. And so we just uh, celebrate all the ways that you work to prioritize the role of family, to invest in marriages and in parents and in children. Uh, And there's uh, so many parallels to the work that we do. And also uh, the vast majority of our supporters are families and parents who are not dissimilar to my story, inviting 
um, their kids into the ministry of compassion as a way to disciple and grow them. Uh, so we just value the work that you do so much because it speaks to our heart and our love for kids and families. And back at you. I think, you know, our, our vision is to bring help and hope to every family in Canada. You have a, a much broader constituency <laughs> to bring help and hope to the whole world. Uh, but ultimately, we want um, families and marriages and families around the world to experience the love of Jesus. And, and um, right now, the best way we can do that is by showing them some um, practical help to get them through this pandemic. And so we, law, we applaud what, what Compassion Canada is doing. We want to encourage all of our listeners to get behind that. Again, please go to compassion.ca slash COVID. Uh, we also have links on our website. I want to thank you, Allison, so much for joining me. It's just a pleasure to get you're inspiring. You're an inspiring woman. Um, I'm not sure that I'm going to start getting up at 4.30 a.m., <laughs> but you have inspired me to get back to some some disciplines that might have slipped during this COVID season. So thank you for that. And um, mm. thank you for sharing your heart, your life, your wisdom. Mm. Blessings on you and Tommy and your two daughters. Um, and thank you, our listeners, for joining us. Um, you can hear more of the Family Life Canada podcast on our website, familylifecanada.live. And you can catch up on the marriage webinar series, uh, Great Marriages Don't Just Happen. And we all know that. So thanks again, Allison, and thank you for joining us. Thank you, Cheryl. It was a joy.